Welcome back. Hey, we have, uh, we've got one of my very favorite people in the whole world who's got one of my very, probably, I would say probably my very favorite family in the whole world. Does anybody, everybody know the Volk family? They are the most legit family in the whole world. Um, I, I first met, uh, Joe, Scott's son. We played drums together. He was like a kind of punk 16 year old playing drums with like the big boys. I was like, who's this kid? Now he plays for Bethel Music, and he's amazing, touring the world. But um, then I met his family, and, man, when you just see the fruit of a family like that, it just you know the Lord is uh, kind of the cornerstone. So without further ado, this is Scott Volk. Please give him a warm Queen City welcome. He's also on our board here, the board of directors. I guess that's what it's called. Um, so we just love Scott. Love you, Scott. Thanks, Stuart. Love you, too. Great to be with you guys. I am Scott, and uh, wherever I travel, I'm either Joe's dad, John's dad. <laughs> oh, you're Elisa's dad. That's kind of what I get, and I'm super blessed that people even view me that way. But my wife, Beth, is here. Beth, would you just stand up? Oh, Beth. Beth is... Beth is awesome. We've been married. This summer will be 29 years. Woo, woo, woo. I'm a full-blooded Jew, and she's a full-blooded Arab. <laughs> and uh, we have, uh, it's the best. So we've got kids with a little bit of Isaac and a little bit of Ishmael in them. And so I've got five kids, 27, 25, 23, 21, and 7. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and uh, Olivia is here today. She's our seven-year-old, so Elisa's 27 and Olivia's seven. Elisa's married to Joey, um, who's traveling today playing guitar, and my other kids are gallivanting around the world. But it's a joy to be here and uh, known the McMillans for actually quite a long time. Robin and Donna came up to the community that I lived in. Donna, what year was that? Like 1980, maybe? 1980, I think John Mark was in diapers, so I was one of the only people to see him in diapers. John Mark. <clears throat> and uh, it's, it's, it's no, it's no uh, light thing for me that I'm here today. I just count it a privilege. It's a blessing to be able to serve on the board at Queen City. And seeing you guys in this building and the life that's here, uh, to me, is just it's supernatural in every way. And I feel like I've got an encouraging word from the Lord for you. So let's pray and uh, see what the Lord wants to do. Father, we love you and bless you. We say, King Jesus, have your way this meeting, Lord. But even as Andy encouraged us to pray, Lord, would you come? We want your spirit. <laughs> Lord, keep us from the mere formality of, of church and and do something today that would be so God-glorifying that no man could take any credit for it. We love you and we bless you. In the name of King Jesus, amen. And I want to speak today out of one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And it's Genesis chapter 22. And I want to teach you a Hebrew word that I would venture to say most of you have never heard before. I'm no Hebrew scholar. I did go to Hebrew school until I was in sixth grade. I went to public school 
And then on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, we went to Hebrew school to learn Hebrew and study for our bar mitzvah. And uh, this one word is a word that I will never forget. And I want to give it to Queen City today. And that word is hineni. Can you say that? Hineni. Hineni is actually two Hebrew words joined together. The word hine, which means behold, and the word ani, which means me. Behold me. Or in English, here am I. That's how it translates in most of your Bibles. And hineni is an ultimate word. Because when you think of the word hine, which means behold, basically it means this, stop what you're doing and look this way. Remember when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Stop what you're doing and look because there's something worthy of your attention. And then the word ani is me. So the word hineni means stop what you're doing. And look this way, because I'm your guy. And the interesting thing about this word is, is that you're saying, here am I, but you're saying it without knowing what is going to be required of you, which is ultimate in every way. If one of the leaders got up here today and said, I need some volunteers To show up at the church tonight at five. I'm not sure how many hands would be raised. You might say, Scott, what are we volunteering for? Which would be a very good question. I'm not going to raise my hand to volunteer for something that I don't know what I'm volunteering for. I mean, if somebody says, hey, we need some volunteers to go to Hawaii. We're going to be ministering on the beach there for a week. It's like, yo, Hineni, here am I. But the Hineni that God's looking for is this ultimate response of yourselves without knowing what it is that is going to be required of you. And that, my friends, is ultimate. It's supernatural. It defies human understanding. But I believe it's the kind of response that God is looking for. So that he can give you exceedingly abundantly beyond all you ask or think. So in Genesis 22, it's the first place where the word Hineni is mentioned in scripture. And it's also the first place that the word worship is mentioned in scripture. Genesis 22. And I just want to look at these verses today. So if you'll open up to Genesis 22, the words may be on the screen. I'm reading out of the NIV. And here's how it begins. Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, Hineni, here am, or between 115 and 130 years old. You say, Scott, how do you know that? Well, he had his son Isaac when he was 100. (laughs) Which is crazy when you think about it. Some people thought I was pretty cool at having a kid at 45. A hundred years old. And it's the son of promise. Abraham lived his whole life. Does anybody know what the name Abraham means? 
Abraham in Hebrew, listen to this, means father of multitudes. And that's the name that God gave him. His name, Abram, means exalted father. And then God changed his name. you got to get this. God changed his name from exalted father to father of multitudes. And he had no children. So this man, Abraham, lived with a name that contradicted reality for a hundred years of his life. I mean, imagine somebody heading over to Abraham's house, knocking on his tent door. Hey, exalted father, father of multitudes, where are your children? Well, uh, it's a long story. <clears throat> oh, but, but didn't God give you that name? Didn't God promise you a long time ago that you were going to have a son? Maybe you should let go of that promise, Abraham. Because after all, you're 99 honking years old. And your wife, Sarah, is not only barren, but is even beyond the age of bearing children. That's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 4, you know what it says about Abraham's body? It was as good as dead. <laughs> so Abraham's dead body and Sarah's barren womb combined with the fact that the Bible says she was beyond the age of bearing children. In other words, she was a woman who completed her cycles. She was done. She went through menopause. She was done. Abraham was done. And then God shows up. And says, this time next year, you'll have a son. <laughs> Pretty amazing, wouldn't you say? Maybe some of us have lived a long time, either with a promise that's not yet fulfilled, or with a name that doesn't necessarily correspond to reality. <laughs> you know, if, if, if my name was Harry One, you guys would go, that's a stupid name for you, because you don't have any hair. The older I get, the more hair I have, but it's like in my ear. <laughs> I'm like, God, what's up with that? But to call or, or to call me, you know, oh, muscular one, that's probably not going to be the first thing that comes to your mind when you look at me. It's not my name. But when God gives you a name, father of multitudes, and you still have no children, that would be enough for me to say, God got it wrong on this one. But Abraham, a man of faith, believed God at a hundred years old. He now has a son. And then God shows up. Some scholars believe that Isaac now is between 13 and 30. 13 and 30. So Abraham's at least 113 years old. And God calls out to heaven from heaven and says, Abraham. And Abraham says, here am I. He named me. Stop what you're doing and look this way. And whatever you say, I will do. Because Hineni's ultimate. You don't know what you're volunteering for. You're just saying, God, I'm your man. <clears throat> Verse 2. Then God said, take your son your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I will tell you about what? Are you kidding me? 
I just volunteered, God. Aren't you going to commission me to speak in front of 10,000 people? I said, here am I. Aren't you going to give me the house of my dreams? Take your son, your only son, Isaac, and lay him on the altar. God, how many times has God said that to people before Abraham? None that's recorded. Abraham could have thought in his old age, maybe he's not really hearing God correctly at all. So Abraham's going to go on this 40 day fast just to confirm God's word. Nope. Abraham's going to pray for a, uh, a camel train to come by. And if, if five camels are in the camel train, then I'll know God spoke to me. How many of us do that when we feel like God's telling us to do something that, that, that goes a little bit beyond our understanding? Oh, Lord, you got to confirm it to me. Look at Abraham's response. Early the next morning, everybody say early. Wow. Abraham blows me away. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, we will worship and then come back to you. You know, as somebody who's pastored a good part of my life in an occupational way, a question that I would always get, frequently get after a church service was, how was worship today? Because we measure worship by the quality of voices. And by the way, this place is known for worship. It, it blows me every time I come here. Just looking at the words on the screen, I don't know who writes all these songs, but they're amazing. And we're called to worship with instruments. We're called to worship with our voice. The very root of worship is found right here in Genesis chapter 22. When God, when Abraham looks at his servants and says, I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Yo, Abe, where's your guitar, buddy? No tambourines today? No sound system? How are you going to have a worship service? May I encourage you that true and authentic worship is more than just simply singing on a Sunday? When there are people around you, who can easily raise your hands? How about worshiping on Monday when we're at a job or Tuesday in a prison cell at midnight or Wednesday when things didn't go right that day? Worship is giving your best to God because he's given his best to you. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. Are you guys okay? All right, stick with me. Verse 6, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. 
He himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? You know, Elisa was our firstborn, 1989, November. And shortly after she was born, we were getting ready to take her home. And uh, I had driven home. I got the car seat. This was the day after she was born. I go back to the hospital. We're all ready. We're getting her ready. And the nurse comes in for the final checkup before she's released. And she says, you can't go home with her. We have to do some more tests. She took Elisa from us. The next time I saw Elisa, she was in the neonatal intensive care unit with all sorts of wires coming out of her head, IVs everywhere. She had an infection throughout her bloodstream. So Beth and I spent the night in the hospital. I woke up at three in the morning and just went down. I could only see Elisa through a window. They wouldn't let you in. And she was in like this incubator kind of thing. And I just lost it. I mean, lost it. So I go to the pay phone. It's before the days of cell phones. And I didn't have a quarter, so I called my parents collect <laughs> at the zero. They lived like 10 miles away. Called them collect. And I'm bawling on the phone. My mom and dad are on the other line. I said, you guys, I don't know how much longer I can handle this. This is what my mother said to me. She goes, Scotty. She called me Scotty. I'm 52. My dad still calls me Scotty boy, but that's okay. All right. She said, Scotty, you've got to give Elisa to the Lord. She's not yours. She's the Lord's. You put her over the phone, bawling my eyes out. The last thing I wanted to do was to lose my daughter. But something happened in the transaction just of that prayer. Understanding that God was in control and that nothing I had was really mine anyway. Imagine Abraham with the son of promise somewhere between the ages of 13 and 30 walking for three days with him with the full mindset that this was the last three days that the son was going to be alive. Oh, Scott, you don't think he really would have done it, do you? Let's read on. Verse 8, Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there. He arranged the wood on it, bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out with his hand and took the knife to slay his son. You know, I've read this dozens of times and my heart is like pounding outside of my chest right now. This is not, not like some, some fairy tale. This, this happened. Abraham is the father of our faith. Do you know that the book Isaiah says, look to Abraham, your father? There's something about the faith of Abraham. God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for a reason. 
What is it about the faith of this man who would just simply say, Lord, here am I, look no further, and then do whatever God told him? Abraham built an altar, verse 9. Ranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, verse 10. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham said, Hineni, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Just reminded as I'm reading this, that God said he would provide a lamb. You know what happened maybe 1,500 years later? The Lamb of God gave his life. Do you know where? On Mount Moriah. The same, the same location that God told Abraham to slay his only son. God sent his only son as the redemption for our sins who died and gave his own life right here on Mount Moriah. Pretty amazing. God said, now I know, because you have not withheld your son, your only son. Can I tell you how much God loves you? He has not withheld his son, his only son, from you. (laughs) He gave Jesus, which I believe is a total fulfillment of Genesis 22. Remarkable. How are we doing on time? 11.38. Great. Can I give you two more scriptures? There's plenty more. I'm just going to give you two more. Flip over to Exodus chapter 3. What time does Pastor Robin usually sit down, Andy? 12.30. I can't talk that long. Genesis, Exodus 3. Thank you for your uh, grace, you liar. Okay. Exodus 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. By the way, Moses is now 80 years old. 80. 8-0. He knew at 40 years old he was called to be a deliverer. It was a promise that he lived with. Yet, when at 40, he saw one of the Hebrew slaves being mistreated by an Egyptian to the backside of a desert for 40 years. So now Moses is 80. And you know what he's doing? Tending sheep. The most menial of jobs. The shepherd was the lowest of low jobs in Bible times. Dirty. No prestige whatsoever. I go to Israel regularly. And sometimes in the Judean wilderness, you'll see these shepherds leading these herds of sheep, these Bedouin shepherds. Crazy. Stinking hot. No, no green area anywhere. And these, this shepherd is just leading this, these sheep till they find water or a place to rest. Abraham, I'm sorry, Moses is 80. He's got a little staff. Spending time with sheep every day. Ah. 
It's hurting them. And anything but what a future deliverer would be doing. You would think the future deliverer would be in the house of Pharaoh getting groomed. And now he's 40 and muscular and everybody knows him. That would have been the time that I would have said, okay, Moses, now's your time. But God's economy is way different than ours. God sends them to the backside of a desert for 40 years to be forgotten. Smelly, matty hair, matted hair. With sheep. He led them to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Hineni, look no further. Or, in my words, it's about time, God. (laughs) I'm 80. Where have you been for the last 40 years? Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. But this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7 through verse 9, God says, look, I've seen what the Egyptians are doing to my people. I want you to go and you bring my people out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the Egypt, to bring Israel, the Israelites out of Egypt? Listen to me. So many of us think that we need to be this super man or woman of God to respond with Hineni. Look at what Moses said. You know what 40, you know what Moses said? I'm Moses. I've got muscle. I've got notoriety in Egypt. I was raised in Pharaoh's house. I'm Moses. Watch me when I go and take care of this Egyptian. But now Moses is 80. 40 years later, after spending his, his last season of life for 40 years on the backside of the desert, and God shows up and Moses says, Hineni, God says, I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. You know what Moses said? Who am I? A man who was really a mentor to me in my younger days said this. It's always stuck with me. No man is more qualified to fulfill God's purposes than when he thinks himself unqualified. No man or woman is more qualified themselves unqualified. That goes a little bit against the modern day teaching. You know, I'm the head and not the tail. I can do all things. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and shape the world. And you know what God is looking for? He's looking for men and women who realize that without God, they can do nothing. Do you think Abraham, when he had Isaac at 100 years old, stood up in front of his congregation and goes, look, guys, I still got it. Whoa, me and Sarah, we're having kids at 100. No. 
His body was as good as dead. Her womb was dead. God waited for the utter impossibility of a child before God said this time next year. You with me? God desires to be glorified, but it doesn't come through your ability to do anything. Only your availability to say, God, Hineni, here am I. Use me. Send me. I am yours. I'm going to give you one more verse. And then we're going to close before 1230. Open to Isaiah chapter 58. This is my favorite Hineni in scripture. And it's probably going to be yours as well. Isaiah 58. Where are we starting? Verse uh, six. Let's look at this together. I'm just going to stand over here and read it from here. This is God speaking. Is not this the kind of fast I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Check this out, Queen City. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Here it comes. (laughs) Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say. Ah! Do you understand? God is saying, stop what you're doing. Look this way. Because whatever you say, I'm going to do it for you. Oh, Scott, that sounds a little bit heretical. Well, it depends on where your hearts are. God, I want that Lamborghini in my driveway today. That's not what he's talking about right here. God is as desirous to say Hineni to you as he is desirous for you to say Hineni to him. That is the key. God never, ever asks or desires us to do anything that he himself is not willing to do for us. Can you imagine God just waiting for you to pray? So that he can say, Scott, stop what you're doing. You will in my name, your guy. Ask whatever you will in my name. That's in the Bible, right? Ask whatever you will in my name and I will do it for you. That's my God. But he's looking for a people who will simply say, God, ask whatever you will. And I will do it. That's what Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the disciples before Jesus performed his first miracle. Whatever he says to you, do it. John chapter 2. And God, I believe, is waiting for a people who will simply say, Hineni, here am I, so that he can say, Hineni, here am I. Would you stand with me?
while I was speaking, <clears throat> I just got the sense that there are people in the room today who are waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled in your life. And you may not be expecting a child at a hundred, but the impossibility of that promise coming to fruition for you may be as real as it was for Abraham. And I believe God wants to encourage you today. He calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for a reason. By the way, have you ever thought about this? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had barren wives. Every single one of them. Women unable to bear children. And that's the genealogical line that God ordained for his son to be born through. Through wombs that could not produce children. Because he's not the God of the ordinary. He's not the God that works through people who have the ability to do anything. He's the God who works for people who just say, Lord, use me. He's not looking for your qualifications. He doesn't ask for your resume. He simply says, where are my sons and daughters who will say, here am I? Use me. Isaiah chapter 6, which we didn't get a chance to look at today. There's this conversation going on in heaven. And God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, here am I. It's almost like Isaiah was interrupting this heavenly conversation, saying Hineni to God. And I believe that God is just looking for men and women who will say Hineni to him so that he can say Hineni to you. God wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or think. Just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much for your life. Lord, for the one or the ten who are here today, Lord, who are living in the, uh, the, the strain of unfulfilled promises that they know you've spoken to them, I pray that today, great God, there would be courage in their hearts to know that faithful is he who calls. He will bring it to pass. Lord, for those who are believing you for natural children in this room. Great God, I pray for life to come. Lord, that the seasons of, of disappointment because of unfulfilled promises where children are concerned. Lord, you who can see your daughter Sarah at, nine, at 89 with child, Lord. No one is beyond your, your reach here. Pray answer from heaven. And great God, may we be a people who say Hineni to you. Stop what you're doing, Lord. Here am I. Look so that we can experience, Lord, all that you have for us. Our amazing Hineni God who is waiting for us simply to cry out and you Answer from your holy hill. We love you. And we bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, do, we have these meetings on the fourth Friday of every month. And I, I close them all the same way. And I'd like to just do that with you today. There's a prayer that the Lord, a blessing that the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron to pray 
over the people. And I would just like to pray it over you. Again, I don't know a whole lot of Hebrew, but this prayer I've memorized from the time I was a child. And if you would just open up your hands. I just want to pray this over you in Hebrew and in English. Thank you, Lord, for this, your blessing. The words that you spoke over your people. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha. Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'chunecha. Yisa Adonai panavalecha v'yasemlecha. Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance on you. And give you peace. Shalom. The name of Jesus our King and Messiah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Can we stay here for just a second? Hey, uh, that's awesome. You guys can grab a seat if you want. We're going to take up an offering for Scott and his family. So ushers, can you guys come forward? Um, I think we've got some ushers out there somewhere. Raise your hands if you want an envelope. Um, and... While we're doing that, Scott, can you tell us a little more about the Fourth Fridays? I've, I feel like it would probably come best from you if you can kind of explain what those are. And um, has anybody come to one of those? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah, please. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. Stuart's our uh, bass player. <laughs> On the Fourth Friday of every month, I, I've got a nonprofit ministry called Together for Israel. And uh, the purpose of that ministry is to trumpet the message of God's heart for Israel to the church, as well as to raise funds for Jewish and Arab believers and the poor and needy living in Israel. You know, it's, it's quite remarkable that we're a very small kind of ministry. I said Hineni to the Lord in 2012 to go full time where this ministry is concerned. And, and I've got to tell this to you. Uh, last year, our little ministry was privileged to give over $200,000 to believers in Israel, the poor and needy, both Arab and Jew. This year, we're on schedule to give $500,000. And you might go, Scott, you're a rich man. No, I am not a rich man. I'm as likely to give half a million dollars away as Abraham was to have a child at a hundred. But that's what happens when you say, Lord, here am I. Can I just, can I give you one quick amazing story? So in, uh, in December of last year, I get this phone call from God TV. And God TV says, Scott, we want to devote January to be our Bless Israel month. And we want to use Together for Israel as the organization through which the funds will flow. Can you send us some footage of what you do at the underprivileged children's centers? So there's 85 underprivileged children's centers, all unsaved Jewish kids in the northern part of Israel. So I sent them some footage, and they played this commercial. It was a 90-second commercial that they played over and over again in the month of January. Two weeks ago, I got the first installment of $200,000 that God TV is sending to Together for Israel, and we are going to be renovating playground facilities for as many underprivileged children's centers in the north of Israel as we can. Now listen to me. That is ridiculous. And people come over and they say, Scott, how did you do it? I didn't do anything. I don't even know how to run a ministry. And God is doing 
far beyond I could, that I could ask or think. And so on the fourth Fridays of every month, we have these meetings. We're going through the life of Abraham right now. That's why this is so fresh inside of me. I've not taught on this there, but the life of Abraham's amazing. This coming Friday is the fourth Friday of March. Um, we're going through uh, Genesis chapter 13. It's a great time of praise and worship. If any of you would like to come, we'd love to have you. And thank you for having me today. I feel at home here. Donna and team, Andy, John, Mark, Robin, wherever you are. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can you guys thank Scott so much? Isn't he an awesome teacher? Cool. Well, is there anything else? Am I missing anything? All right. Bless you guys. Beat it. Oh, nice. Yeah. If you want prayer, if you want prayer or healing, uh, prayer for healing or a touch, you just need a touch from the Lord, please come down. We've got prayer teams up here. <laughs> Forgive me for my harsh send off. <laughs>